0: Hi everyone, I'm Sammy. Welcome to my podcast called Politically Blonde. This is my first podcast, so I'd like to give you some background on me and why I decided to start Politically Blonde. I'm a sophomore in high school, and this past year, just like many of you I'm sure, I found I had a lot more time on my hands because of COVID-19. Spending a lot of time in quarantine and in virtual school I started looking for things to not just keep me busy, but to make something of this time and hopefully do something to better the world too. So I decided to pursue some interests that I've had, which led me to start a key club, which is an international community service organization at my school. It has been really great getting people involved and being able to help the community despite the ongoing pandemic. Along with Key Club, I have spent this year becoming more acquainted with politics. It was something that was almost unavoidable in 2020 with the extremely high profile election in November. I had always enjoyed learning about history and participated in Harvard Model Congress right before the pandemic hit. But I definitely dove a lot deeper into the political world this year and learned a lot in the process. So silver linings, right? Anyway, I found two sets of students at my school. One group didn't talk about the election at all, didn't seem interested in it, or didn't want to stir up controversy. But they just didn't discuss it. And the other group had very strong opinions about the election. While I fell into the latter category, I didn't much feel like getting into fights with friends and classmates at school. And there wasn't really an outlet for me to share my thoughts and opinions, and also try to educate those students in the former group about politics and why they should care and what they can do to make a difference on a larger scale. So this is how and why Politically Blonde has been born. I started it to provide a voice, especially for teenage girls, to get involved in politics. Politically Blonde's mission is to be an engaging and inviting platform to educate and empower teenage girls about political issues and social justice movements. It will be a community that allows teenage girls access to accurate information, empowers them to be vocal about their opinions, and provides resources to make real change. Before I begin, I just want to say that these are my opinions and I understand that not everyone will agree. I am a huge proponent of civil discourse, so I am always open for a discussion, not a war, with differences of opinion. For my first episode, I want to talk about a subject that has been a huge part of the news lately, election integrity. This topic has been swirling around since the pandemic started. How would people vote? Are mail-in ballots safe and secure? Is extending deadlines constitutional? Should there be additional or fewer restrictions to voting to ensure everyone eligible could vote but maintain integrity in the voting process? We are going through an unprecedented time with a pandemic making everything more difficult and scary. Shouldn't there be exceptions this year to help ease fears and make voting a little easier? We are in the midst of a global pandemic, and voting was going to have to look different this year. The very real threat of a deadly disease required there to be changes to voting rules to accommodate all eligible citizens who wanted to vote. However, this has been an extremely controversial subject, regardless of which side of the aisle, so to speak, you fall on. With Democrats looking to enable as many voters as possible to participate in one of the most sacred duties of a voting-age citizen in the United States by attempting to make this process as accessible as possible, and Republicans looking to suppress those groups who would vote Trump out of office. This process became a tug-of-war for months, with Democrats working to register more and more people to vote, extending the time in which people could vote early, installing more secure ballot boxes to enable voters to deliver their ballots conveniently and safely, extending deadlines for mail-in ballots to be received due to the ongoing pandemic, and even sending absentee ballots to everyone registered to vote in their state to ensure that their constituents have the ability to vote by mail if they wish to do so. Republicans, however, were working to accomplish the opposite, Their goal was to limit the number of people who voted in this election, with the belief that the fewer people who voted, the more likely President Trump would be to remain in office. I mean, I get it. To them, the end justifies the means. But isn't this the United States of America? Shouldn't everyone who is eligible to vote use their voice and take part in the election? Like, isn't this kind of the point of living in a democracy? Republicans attempted to limit early voting and mail-in ballots, added restrictions for witnesses to signatures on ballots, removed extra ballot boxes so people would have to drive farther to deliver their ballots, and fought in the courts that extending deadlines was unconstitutional. I think it is important at this time to mention that voter suppression has been a prevalent issue far before this election. Ever since the end of the Civil War and the creation of Jim Crow laws, minorities have been targeted in an attempt to prevent them from voting, such as the creation of literary tests or poll taxes, for the privilege of voting. When the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965, all of these restrictions were repealed, and minorities were then able to vote without constraints. However, This did not eliminate the issue, as states found ways to get around it, such as racial gerrymandering, in which they would divide a predominantly African-American community into several districts, so that each district would have a white majority. In addition, after the Shelby County v. Holder Supreme Court case of 2013 States no longer needed federal approval in order to pass state election laws and states immediately began creating new barriers to minority voting. New voter ID laws, which makes the process of voting more difficult for those without the means or necessity for a driver's license or passport, legally prevents specific groups from being able to vote. While this history of voter suppression is all very significant, I digress, so let's go back to specifically talking about the 2020 election. When all of the previously mentioned restrictions to voting weren't enough, Trump appointed Louis DeJoy, a very wealthy Republican donor, as postmaster general. He proceeded to make changes in how mail was processed that significantly slowed down the mail service. These changes were allegedly to help the United States Postal Service become more financially stable. But the timing of them was certainly more than a little suspicious. The slower the mail, the more likely it would be that votes wouldn't make it to their destination in time to be counted. Despite all of these efforts, COVID-19 definitely changed the way people voted this year with 46% of those who voted in the election doing so by mail, which is a drastic increase to the 20.6% of voters who voted by mail in the 2016 election. Throughout all of this, months passed. Millions of Americans got sick. Hundreds of thousands of people died. And Trump was intent on letting everyone know that this was going to be the most fraudulent election in history. Before it even happened, polls around the country predicted that Biden would win in a landslide. So Trump made sure to make everyone aware that the only way he would not be reelected was if the election was rigged and his win was stolen from him. How could he have possibly known this prior to the election? So fast forward to November 3rd, and of course, Trump and nearly half the country, believe they have been justified in his warnings of a rigged election, because he did, in fact, lose. Unfortunately, what has happened since that night will likely impact our democracy for years to come. Our country, the home of the brave and the land of the free, is under assault by an unfathomable number of elected officials who swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. The basis of our country's existence is a representative democracy where the people get to choose their leaders and fire them if they're unhappy with their leadership. For the last two months, the situation has devolved from a lone voice protesting a fraudulent election to scores of citizens protesting to stop the steal with no proof of any wrongdoing, lawyers filing dozens of lawsuits that have failed at every level, including the Supreme Court, twice due to a lack of evidence, and scores of congressmen and women and senators attempting to disenfranchise millions of voters in an attempt to reverse the very obvious outcome of this election. This is such a serious affront to our democracy that everyone in our country should be terrified at the direction our country is going. To be fair, I am not going to rule out that there have been irregularities and some amount of fraud in this election. However, after multiple recounts and several very high profile members of the government, including Chris Krebs, the former director of Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and Bill Barr, the former Attorney General, stating that there has been no widespread fraud seen in this election. There is no reason to believe that there has been any more fraud this time than has existed in any prior election. With that being said, we are at a place where tens of millions of voters do not believe this to be true. How can we get to a place where there is confidence in our democracy again? How can we convince nearly half of the country that a free and fair election actually did happen and that Joe Biden is the legitimate 46th president of the United States? On January 6th, this attempt to overturn the results of a free and fair election reached a breaking point with the leader of the free world inciting a mob of his supporters in a literal attack on our democracy. This violent mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol hoping to stop Congress's duty to confirm the election results ended in five completely avoidable deaths and a government left in shambles. I will be discussing this new day that will live in infamy, January 6th, 2021, in much greater detail in my next podcast. Unfortunately, we still have many elected leaders who refuse to tell people the truth in order to unite our country. So it is up to us to make sure our democracy is protected. We are the future of this country. And if we care that our future remains free and fair, and that our officials can continue to be hired and fired by us, we must take actions to guarantee our rights. In a democracy, It is important for all people to have a voice. No legal voter should be suppressed because of discriminatory laws. No votes should be thrown out because someone doesn't like the result. There should be no corruption in the system that allows intimidation and bullying to affect policy decisions or influence elected officials to the point of disrupting our democracy. No one should fear for their lives to vote freely and uphold the constitution. We must make sure that when it is our time to vote, that it means something and that we take that responsibility seriously and know that we can trust the outcome. This threat against our democracy has to stop now. If you are interested in finding ways you can help or want to find more information on how to bridge the divide in our country, please visit bridgealliance.us. Their members include organizations that are committed to bridging ideological divides, strengthening integrity in voting campaigns and elections, empowering young Americans and more. There are many resources to get informed and find practical solutions that we can do to try to bring us all together. Additionally, if you would like to help with voter suppression in America, Let America Vote is an organization that works to fight against voter suppression. They have created a voter guide that provides more information on how to get involved, as well as information on common laws that suppress voters. They provide many ways in which you can help combat voter suppression, such as joining their rapid response team. Once you put in your information, you will receive weekly messages providing different actions you can take to stand up for voting rights. Another way in which you can help is by calling your congressman or woman or senators and letting them know that you are a constituent. And state clearly that you support restoring the Voting Rights Act, implementing national automatic voter registration and early voting, and making it easier for Americans with disabilities to vote. If they receive enough calls, this may change the way they vote on this important act. Thank you all for listening to Politically Blonde. I will include the links to the above organizations in the description of this episode. And I hope you will all join me next month when I talk more about the insurrection and incitement of violence on the U.S. Capitol and what it means for our country, as well as a comparison to the Black Lives Matter protests that occurred over the summer of 2020.